Welcome to the February 21st special meeting, uh, not special meeting, meeting of the, sorry, reading the wrong side. Good evening and welcome to the February 21st meeting of the uh, Water and Wastewater Commission. I'll now call the meeting to order. Please be advised that FATV is conducting the audio and video recording of this meeting for public broadcast. I ask that anybody in the audience who is recording this meeting to please identify themselves for record now by standing and state your name and city of residence. Um, and at this time, I'll ask that all electronic devices be put in silent mode. Um, well, I'm supposed to do a roll call, so. We have Colby O'Brien. Present. Mike McLaughlin. Here. Nick Erickson. Present. And also John DeLine and Mark McNamara, and mm -hmm. I'm Rick Healy, and we are missing George Sena. Yep. Okay, there's nobody in the audience wishing to speak, uh, so we'll move to our agenda. And we will start with Water Division. John? Yep. Got um, not sure how many of you are aware of the billing issue that went on um, with last month's uh, bills that went out. Um, it only affected the sewer portion of the bills. Um, basically, anybody went over the minimum usage of three units. Um, they were also charged for the three units, so they were uh, overbilled by $33.33. There's something you don't see in the bills, like in Munis, there's all kinds of calc codes. Mm -hmm. It does this, does that, or whatever. <clears throat> well, this calc code for this particular, you know, calculation has been the same for seven or eight years. But at some point, um, just before that bill run, Munis did an update and caused things to go awry. So um, Munis was not able to help us um, correct the issue besides changing the calc code to what it should be. It, was, it doesn't matter what the numbers are, but like the one for sewer was at uh, was a 64 when it should have been either a 62 or 63. Water was at 64, so it did work out right along, so it didn't affect the water portion. I mean, uh, 63. Um, so those have both been set. Missy double-checked everything. But they had to go through, and there was no easy way of doing it, but they had to go through the last two, three weeks um, and manually adjust over 9,900 um, accounts that had Ooh. gone over the minimal amount. So it wasn't a simple thing because it was, um, I think there was, each one was an eight-step process, you know, to do that. So, um, but they did go through it and got it all done. So the next bills that go out, you know, people that overpaid or paid that amount over, will see a credit. People that didn't pay, um, you know, which we advise a lot of people to, but some people were afraid of getting charged interest, which, you know, I understand, but it wouldn't have been very much, um, you know, they'll see that you know, they won't see anything, but there will be no interest charge because, you know, the way it is is like if you don't pay for another 30 days, then the interest would come on. So it doesn't, there's no interest that would come on this whatsoever. So unless you, you know, hadn't paid your bill later on, there, of course, anybody that's behind on the bill is going to get interest on that portion. But the 33, 33, there'll be no interest on that whatsoever because it's been all been um, basically corrected, um, the abatement. So, um, you know, we, we, we've had a very difficult time with Munis. You know, we're told that, you know, that they're basically the only people out there that do this type of thing, but it just, it's very frustrating because um, we have open tickets with them from November 2022 
Um, we've had reports that used to be 50 pages that are now over 1,100 pages, and it takes, instead of an hour or two to run this report, it takes six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours to run the report. Um, you know, keeping a computer completely on that. You can't do anything else while it's running, so, you know, Missy, you know, has to actually do it at night or take it home. Uh, you know, this past weekend she was running reports on Saturday, and um, because of security, she has to keep touching the mouse pad so it doesn't time out. You know, I can't get IT to, to change that. We're trying to do that for that one computer that she uses, you know, the laptop she takes home. Of course, it's secure otherwise, but there's a lot to it. So it just, it's very frustrating for us because every month we were dealing with something with Munis, an upgrade that went through that changes some little thing. You know, we have some bills that um, we know that it's been out there for a while that um, where somebody pays, you know, $50.00 but it only shows at one line that they only paid $30, but in the bottom number, it's correct. You know, there's only, there's a few like that, you know, and it just, um, we're trying to set up a meeting with the, the mayor, um, the IT, um, accounting, treasurer's office, just to try to figure out, you know, what we can do to, to correct this. It's just, it's very difficult, you know. Like I said, every month there's some different issue. There's an upgrade that goes through that affects something, and sometimes, you know, this time we would have never thought. Of course, when we do a, a rate increase um, or change in the rates, you know, we all all the bill this test runs that are done. We check the bill to make sure everything calculates. You know, check them by hand. And who would have thought in the middle of the fiscal year with no changes that something like that would have happened by an update that even IT was not aware of? It just gets downloaded to the system. You know, kind of like it does with your phone, and your phone gets messed up. What's that? Instead, it affected almost 10,000 bills. You know, um, you know, causes mistrust with us, which is unfortunate because it was completely out of our hands. I mean, you know, we would have never thought that would have, you know, or even been looking for something like that um, to occur. So, how'd you find out? What's up? How'd you find out? Customers started calling. Yeah. yeah. Some people are, you know, know exactly what their bill's going to be almost precisely every month. And as soon as they got that, they started checking bills and knew, you know, within a day or two of the bills going out last month that there was a problem. And then we tried to get Munis to help us with it, you know, figure out if there's a way to do a spreadsheet or do a, you know, a global type, you know, calculation. And they, I mean, they put in a ticket for it. And then finally last week we heard back something, oh, you can try this. Well, it's like we just like, we just decided to delve in, I mean, not myself, but the, the ladies in the front office, delve in and start doing it manually because that's, we just, we didn't want to wait till, you know, we heard something back from units because they just haven't been that helpful, you know. Um, I'm glad we did because the the suggestion they made wasn't going to work, you know. Um, yeah, just, it's, it's a weekly discussion <laughs> among us or, you know, just the issues we have, it just, it just, unbelievable in this day and age that we can't get something that, you know, works correctly and, you know, to have tickets that are, that are a year and a half old, you know, to correct these things, I mean, it's just, just unbelievable. So, but, so we really need to, you know, figure out, you know, that we, we there's a couple of, there's one other company that we found does from mass municipal municipalities, but we're not 100% sure because I guess the accounting office told IT that basically the state told them Munis is pretty much it. Where, But there is a that other company that does at least 30 or 40 other cities in town. So, yeah. you know, I think it's worth talking to them. But, yeah. you know, yeah, I just, we, we need to figure out something because it's just every month it's just tr trying. Sometimes the bills go all late. Sometimes the reports won't generate. You know, they just keep getting error messages. Missy will go through six or seven hours of a report, and all of a sudden it'll just, like, go into an error mode, 
and she's got to start all over again. You know, after having tying up a computer at the office or having it at home. You know, I mean that's where we're at. So, but, but everybody should be corrected. I mean, they were pretty, you know, thorough and going through all those. So no, I'm not saying that'll, that'll, that'll be in the next bill. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, if they over if they paid the amount that it was over, they'll see a credit for that amount. You know. Um, or be taken off the next bill if they didn't pay it, you know, the bill will be normal. So, um, but again, it was, you know, anybody that went over the minimum, three units, if they use four units, all of a sudden they get charged for those three units, which is 30, you know, 11, 11 times three units. So, um, but it should be all set now. So, we have to do it. We're going to be looking at bills each month <laughs> just to see, you know, not saying we, we still won't miss something, but it's not something we expect to have to do, you know, since we're not changing anything in those those charge codes or cal codes and um, just a bit frustrating. So, yeah, that report that went from 50 to 1,100 pages, that's the one that's been since November 2022 when they did an upgrade and it, it causes, you know, computers just don't want to keep working for six or seven hours, it, you know, generating reports, it just, things get, you know, mm -hmm. logged down and they just don't want to finish it, you know. I mean, you imagine how fast computers are nowadays and you have a report that takes, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hours to generate. I mean, it just it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, you know. So. Sorry to vent a little bit, but we're just, it's a, try to do the best we can with it and get the bills out and it's just like I said we're fighting this and this is one of the, the worst issues we've ever had so all right on the dams um, just wanted to touch base a little bit on this I, I put together a spreadsheet um, of our the 16 dams the city has other dams but the 16 dams that the res uh, water division is responsible for um, shows you know basically their height their hazard level and their condition um, Pretty much all are fair or satisfactory. We have one that's good, um, but we do have three that are in poor condition. The uh, Falula Reservoir Dam, which is the one right behind the plant, we don't use it for drinking water. Um, we have the Overlook Dam, is considered in poor condition, um, and the Scott Reservoir Dam out off Ashby West is considered in poor condition. So we did do a grant, get a grant to do a seepage analysis at Scott Reservoir Dam, so we're gonna start doing work there and figure out how we can you know, um, address that dam and, you know, seepage there has been a problem pretty much since the dam was built, you know, a hundred something years ago, just something wasn't quite right with it, but it's never shown any, you know, signs of, you know, failure or anything like that. However, it does have a lot of seepage and it's something we need to, to look at, um, you know, to get it, um, corrected. So, um, in the next budget, and we will talk about the budget. Um, we don't have it on the agenda, but it will be at the next meeting. Um, we can kind of leave it at the end, but um, we'll be looking at doing um, some inspections. We do phase one inspections, but we also need to do phase two inspections when they are in poor condition. Um, the phase twos, we're gonna look at, you know, not just doing an inspection, but looking at, you know, what's the possibility of, you know, um, abandoning or removing the dam. So um, that's something we'll be looking at as part of the analysis for the uh, Fula Reservoir Dam and the Overlook Dam. Um, each of those are fairly easy to regulate. The water levels, there's no watershed to either of them. So even though they are in poor condition because we are able to regulate them, um, we don't, you know, feel that there's any, you know, threat of failure at either one. So we're fortunate in that respect. Um, 
Scott, like I said, it is in poor condition, but it's something that's, you know, the seepage has been there for, for quite some time. It just, it's something we, you know, it's time that we need to address it and, you know, work for these dams are, you know, some of it's included in the, the rate study. Um, you know, starting doing the engineering and getting everything set and, you know, trying to have the engineering in place so if there's a grant available, we can go after it. You know, we can further some of that, then, you know, maybe eligible for um, other grants that the, the federal government or state um, might have available. So, like I said, we did get the one for the Scott Reservoir Dam, so that's a plus. How much How much was that, Nick? I don't remember off the top of my head. 75,000-ish, yeah. um, somewhere around yeah. there. So, yeah, there's a lot of dams to... Um, to take care of, so um, good thing is is that you know the ones that are in poor condition are ones that we can easily manage where you know don't have a major dam that has large inflows that you know could have a threat of failure um, that's in poor condition or poor condition in that respect. That's kind of why you know it's kind of been these a couple of these have been in poor condition for quite some time, but just because we've been able to regulate the the water level so easily without having a watershed, it hasn't been. Um, so much of an issue, but we know that we need to start knocking some of these off. We can't just keep, you know, going along and not doing anything. So, so I'll have some money in my budget next year to do the engineering and phase two inspections for uh, Overlook Dam and uh, Falula Dam. Any questions on any of that or? All right, next item, SCADA update. I think last month I told you that we did get the cards, some of the cards back. Um, I told you about the card problem. Yeah. We did get some back. Um, they turned around, turned them around pretty quick, quicker, much quicker than we thought we did. And they've been swapped out, the new, the rebuilt ones swapped out at the Flula plant. Now that's running with the rebuilt ones. And now we just got to set those ones, the five that get taken out of there, out to be um, rebuilt or whatever they're doing with them at... Uh, Rockwell, um, and then once we get those back, hopefully in a month, we'll be able to get everything set to do the regional plant and finish that part of the SCADA project. So um, that's the you know the last last major part of it. So I'm hoping that uh, we can get that done before the high flows. You know, the majority of it done by April and May before Memorial Day. Um, I'm sure there'll be some little items along the way, but. Um, afterwards a punch list but um, if we can get that done and we'll be in good shape so um, the only other part of that skater project is we did include a backup generator for the Montchusett um, pump station um, where game on and all the factories are up there we've never had a backup generator there they're going to be doing the installation there this spring um, they had wanted to do it in the fall but the generator came in so late in the year it had been on order for a year um, but it came in so late and we have to do bypass pumping there so that um, we can take do work all inside all the panels and everything all the electric panels but we still need to have fire protection in that industrial park so we have to have a, a pump outside that will activate um, based on a signal from one of the buildings up there well we can't do that in the winter months of course because things would freeze so um, we uh, put it off till the spring months so it's it, which has worked out because we're able to concentrate on getting everything else done besides that and the regional plan and, you know work through any bugs that we had and finalize all the uh, you know the upgrades at the station so um, the system seems to be working pretty well you know our guys are able to take home a tablet 
Um, during the water main break up here on Main Street, you know, they, they, you know the, the chief operator was able to look at that tablet. He can't run the plant from there. We don't want, because of a security, we don't want that remote ability, but he can look at pressures, tank levels, and things like that right there and figure out, you know, what we need to do, you know, and monitor the tank levels as things are going on. So um, it's already, you know, been beneficial there. Um, I'll eventually have a tablet and the uh, distribution system manager too. Again, we won't be able to run the plants. Um, they can use those tablets once they're inside the plant itself to change, uh, start a pump at a, at a remote station, um, but only within the plants, again, because of cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So it's only on the Wi-Fi network that's secure within the, the plant itself. You know, so, but once you're outside of there, it's basically you know, read only, so. Um, so yeah, that'll be a, a huge plus once it's done. So um, a little bit a long time coming. I'm just happy that we were able to, they were able to um, turn around the, uh, the computer cards so quickly, um, at least the first batch. I'm hoping the second batch will be just as quick. Um, the other handout was just the, uh, we had four people submit bids for the uh, Boulder Drive um, project. So that's going to go all the way from the underneath the bridge down at the railroad tracks on Boulder Drive all the way up to where it comes back into Main Street. So, um, you know, some sections of Boulder Drive do not have a water main right now, um, but we need to to support, you know, development and buildings there that, you know, actually don't even, there's a one building that doesn't even have water um, without, um, you know, having a, to do something from Main Street. So this will allow us um, to downsize one of the mains on Main Street, not to confuse you, and do we're also going to do all the intersecting streets over to Main Street as part of the Boulder Drive project. So that'll facilitate doing the Main Street project afterwards. Um, the Main Street project is going to go out to bid probably by the end of March. So um, we didn't want to put them all together. We kind of wanted one to begin and get it as much done as possible. Um, we also felt that you know one contractor, it, it would take the project would have been so big. It would have taken out a couple of contractors as far as potentially bidding on it. So we felt that, you know, that was a big enough, you know, it's a $3.3 million job. So it <clears throat> actually came in just to add the uh, engineer's estimate was $3.7 million. So um, they're pretty close to what it was. I mean, we, the low bid was about $400,000 less. Um, that contractor, they, you know, checked them all out, you know, reviews, and they, Weston Sampson's actually, one of their other offices have, had work done, you know, with them, and everything seems to be fine. So, um, they did leave a little money on the table, being four hundred thousand dollars lower, but it's not a million dollars lower. And their bid was balanced; everything seemed correct with that. So, we're in the process of. They've been told that they the bid's going to be awarded to them. Now we just need all the paperwork back from them for insurance and all that bonds and and so forth. So, so it can get that going. So we had hoped to have a, <clears throat> a couple more bidders, but. The other names are very, <coughs> very familiar. So, um, and they are very close to each other. Really, three point seven six to three point eight five. I mean, those are pretty close between those three. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the contractor probably just needed to make sure they had some work or whatever. So they really sharpened their pencil. So, mm -hmm. depends on what they had on their schedule in the spring. So, or for this year, I should say. So yeah, we're um, happy to. We did uh, come under below the engineer's estimate, so. Um, and the last part, I didn't put a number in here because we just started, but it was in the uh, capital plan for the rate study was replacing the uh, regional roof. Um, it's 
I'm going to ask that you approve going out for a $2.3 million loan just to make sure that it covers any extras. But right now, it looks like it's going to be around. Based on West End Sampson's bids, they went out and looked at our roof, and our, the roof at the regional plant is 17,000 square feet. So what's that about? Not quite a half acre, but yeah. getting there. Acres 43, 5 <clears throat> Yeah, just under. <clears throat> so it's a pretty big roof, and it's about $90 a foot the bids have been coming in at. So it comes, you know, around... Um, you know, 1.6, 1.7. We want to make sure we have enough buffer for the engineering, the oversight, and things like that. And also, some of the roof has, it's flat, but there's also some metal sections that are sloped and stuff, and, you know, looking at, there's probably going to be some work. The metal doesn't need to be replaced, but it's probably going to be flashing that needs to be redone, um, caulking, or, or something like that. I want to make sure that, you know, anything above the roof line is corrected. We don't want water to come in because we're having some infiltration into walls that, you know, coming in and stuff where it's getting under the flashing and things like that. So um, we'll combine. We have that other loan that we approved, that you, the commission approved for the Meeting House Mayor Meadow um, Project 4.4. So we're just going to basically package that with this $2.3 million loan. And, you know, whatever we don't spend, we won't borrow, basically. So, you know, that's basically how it works. That we start spending and get toward the end of the project, and then the treasurer's office will, will borrow the money, you know, for our next fiscal year. So, um, I don't think I can add anything else to that. But, yeah, so I'd ask if we could take a vote um, and approve um, $2.3 million um, alone for um, completing a, you know, a full replacement of the, the regional roof. So... And that's a ballast-type roof, you know, the stone on top of everything that has to all be taken off. Um, we spend a lot of money heating that building, so they're going to take off that. And the insulation, when they built these buildings, oil wasn't that expensive. So that's some of the extra I'm going to look into is, like, I'd like to add. They're going to take off the insulation, look at all the decking and make sure that's set. But I ask they add, you know, whatever they can for insulation. You know, I mean, 17,000 square feet, you know, if we can add some additional insulation to make it a little bit, you know, more efficient. It's, it's worth doing it. So that's why I'd like to have that extra money there because I'm sure it'll pay over the next, you know, 20, 30 years that, you know, it's there. So, okay, so John, you're looking for a motion, um, and it's to recommend to the City Council. Is that correct? Yep. So we're looking for a motion to recommend to the City Council to borrow $2.3 million for the uh, new roof for the regional plant. Yes. Anyone want to make that motion? Make it. Is there a second? And second. Any discussion on the motion? Okay, hearing none, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. Yeah, we've been fighting some leaks up there for the past few years, and DEP's been on our case to make sure, you know, that we have a plan in place, and it just, we've, we've nursed it as far as it can at this point, and it just, it needs to be done, so, and things are just getting more expensive, and, you know, I just don't, I want to get it done before next winter. Like I said, <clears throat> make sure it's completely weathertight, add insulation that will, you know, be cost effective, of course, but just to improve the efficiency of the building. So Yeah, and that's when they, when they built those when they built that building, oil was so cheap. I mean, you know, we're we're kinda of running up against that. I wish they would had given more thought to that, but it's like and they figured oil would be cheap forever. And I know it's not as sky high as it could be, but um, it still costs a lot to heat. We eventually would like to connect in the gas up there, but it's just not possible right now they need um Unitel needs to do some upgrades up in that area up to uh, between there and Gardner and we're just not there Oops. the other plant uses oil as well and we use a lot of oil there um we'd like to see gas connected but that's not 
really feasible up there because of the distance and the cost and stuff. So um, we always want to try to be, you know, as efficient as possible. But it's something at some point we're going to have to look at, you know, um, improving, you know, things at the fuel plant with the HVAC upgrades. But we don't want to do it right now, of course, a few years off because we want to get the, the most use of that system that's there. But at some point, <coughs> it will have to be upgraded because it's just it's not an efficient system. Even during the summer months, we burn 100 gallons of oil a day, you know. It's just not, you know, not something that was, you know, considered, you know, what we would be right now. So, yep. And both those plants are about 20, 25 years old now, right? Yep. Have we ever looked at hydro? Yeah, we have the, I mean, we have the hydro up at the Narrows Road Station, but um, I don't think there's enough coming through up there because we, once we drain it down out of the, the plants, but um, we don't have enough um, head between the plant and the tanks besides at the regional plant where we already have it um, to do something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly consideration that we would do, but there's some other, you know, technology. I mean, there's geothermal type technologies that actually utilizes the, the water in the reservoir, you know, pipe in there, whatever. So um, still a ways off to, you know, where we'd get an efficiency, but, you know, um, that would be make it worthwhile, but at some point that might be possible. But the best thing would be for reducing costs doesn't mean we're going to, you know, emit less carbon necessarily. It would be to connect to gas up there that would save you know, quite a bit on us, but it just, it would be such a long range return. So the problem is that Falula, um, is that they have hot water circulating all the time. So the boilers are always running. They have an HVAC system that, um, cools the the air coming through into the offices to 60 degrees, you know, in the unit. Um, but once it gets to the offices, there's, there's reheaters in there and brings that air temperature back up to like 70 degrees or whatever. So that air is super um, dry, you know, which was a great thought back then when oil was cheap and, you know, they thought it would, you know, remain that way, but it's not the way it is now. So it would re require a whole new, you know, HVAC system to, to change that over. So, but yeah, I, we've looked at, you know, we've got all, we did all LED lighting or anything else and, you know, insulating better, like we want to do with the regional roof and things like that, or, you know, some of the improvements we can make. So, um, and we've looked at what's available from the state for funding and things like that. So, but right now there's nothing that's really, you know, it, it's not going to cost, it doesn't have a return that's quick enough to make it worthwhile at this point. So, you know, unfortunately. Other questions for John? Thanks, John. Mark? <clears throat> My first item, it's going to be requesting an additional appropriation for an SRF for our CSO 32, 45, and 83 separation rehabilitation. We found additional project costs for phase two and phase three since our initial um, appropriation back in 2022, I believe. Um, and the following handout explains the reason why we are requesting the additional funds. It's additional construction, engineering, construction administration costs. There, um, it's gonna be required a, an approximately $39.5 million uh, for an SRF um, loan. Those payments won't start until fiscal year 26 through 27. But we're gonna need it before spring 2024, which is when we're gonna be seeking for the funds, so. 
uh, presenting it to the Wastewater Commission, and if you approve it, then I'll bring it before the City Council um, in March. The reasons why we need the additional funds, um, in addition to the separation of the combined sewers in the downtown area, this project seeks to alleviate existing significant drainage and flooding issues in the city, as well as construct resilient and green infrastructure that can withstand the hypothetical 2070, 10-year, 24-hour storm event. Um, this past summer, we've seen some of these storms come through, these major flooding storms. Weather events becoming more extreme, intense with climate change, and addressing these concerns now require significant drainage upgrades. The significant additional contract construction-related items is are below. We're going to need to put in an additional 105 catch basins being installed to upgrade drainage throughout the area, roughly 14,700 feet of additional feet piping, also being installed for purposes of resiliency and relaying 350 feet of damaged undercapacity culverts to the public's right away for easy access and maintenance purposes. Our existing city drainage is not able to convey the stormwater um, that flows from the current storm events and has been causing significant flooding. And there's claims from property owners due to the property damage. Many of the sewers throughout the project area are also currently undersized, causing more significant combined sewer overflows, which are our CSOs, at the permitted outfalls and sanitary sewer overflows, leading to poor water, water quality in the North Nashua River and damage to public and private property. And many of the sewers throughout the project are also they're in poor condition and on the brink of collapse. So 34 separate dig repairs are required throughout the project area to re rehabilitate the existing failing sewers. Um, there has been a significant pricing increase since um, two years ago. Last summer, we saw a great increase in a lot of um, construction items. The average pipe construction cost between the first and second CSO separation projects have increased approximately 36%. Ma average manhole construction costs have increased 34%, and we need to ensure the construction cost estimates account for these significant increases. Um, that recent contractor who's doing CSO 10 right now, that was the first phase project, he came in low, but we want to be conservative and ensure that there's adequate funding. We're not guaranteed that the next bidder is going to be you know, on the low side of things. So the lowest bidders, um, it was 3.6 million lower than the second lowest bidders. So the current cost estimates that conservative because we can't assume bids will come in low. Um, so this is, you know, we're being conservative. We might not use all this money, but it has to be there just in case we do. And we're also paving. Uh, costs for the project include over seven miles of curb-to-curb -curb paving on dozens of streets, including much of the downtown area. So those are the reasons why we're requesting another $39.5 million in SRF loans. So, any questions? And these improvements are all required by the uh, consent decree, correct? Yes. It's all part of the consent decree. Going forward, you know, getting things done before that 2030 deadline. Does that <clears throat> include this building resilient infrastructure? The 39.5? No. Is that part of the consent decree? Oh, or the is consent this decree? I don't think it is. 
My, my I'd have to look at it. I know my predecessor did have <clears throat> green infrastructure being reported with the consent decree. I, I believe the way that the consent decree is worded, it's a little bit open-ended. I think yeah. it forces us to look for opportunities to implement green infrastructure, but it doesn't lay out specific project requirements. So this satisfies that, but it also satisfies um, good design practices with building stormwater systems that can handle the projected increases in rainfall, peak intensity and flows and all that that we're anticipating through the year 2070, which, you know, 50 years seems like a, a long way out, but it's really not. What, what does that bullet add to this 39 million? Which one? The, um, the resilience infrastructure adders. I don't have the, the line item what that would be including in it. I can find out, but I, I just don't know that number right now. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head what the actual breakout is among all the different reasons cited here. Um, I mean, a lot of what goes into that is, is the engineering and then yeah. the cost increase to go up one or two pipe sizes. Um, so there's, there's probably some substantial cost there as part of that building resilient infrastructure. Um, but there's also some large costs associated with just excavating and installing any sort of a drainage system where there is none. So um, I think it would be a little bit short-sighted to do all that work to install a drainage system but not make sure that it's upsized to properly account for those future increases in, in runoff that we're, we're anticipating. Yeah, once we get done with this project, it's going to be, you know, paved over. We'd hate to have to go back in and for another reason and disturb what we just spent a lot of money on, especially with the city streets, you know, the way they are. I mean, one of the issues that we're dealing with this particular project area is, you know, it's a lot of old roadways with mm -hmm. infrastructure that's in some cases 100 plus years old. You know, it. Back then, the materials were vastly different. The methods of construction weren't as as good as they are today. The materials were different. Um, you know, there's a whole, whole host of different improvements that have been made over time, including just installing adequately sized stormwater infrastructure. A lot of times, we we don't see any drainage on a road, or we see a you know six inch pipe that's always overflowing, even for a little one inch storm. So, um, this is definitely an opportunity to to do it the right way. And, you know, I think I've said this in the past, I'm all for doing it right, doing a better better job than required, but, you know, we also have to look at what's realistic and, um, you know, that I, I just hate to see us keep coming back to the taxpayers to say, this went up, we need more money, this went up, we need more money. Um, you know, I, 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 I agree, right? do it right the first time, but you always have to look and say, do we, you know, are there ways we can cut some costs, you know? I do and know that, that this, th these numbers have been factored into the sewer rate study, so they were part of that process. That we yeah, that, that, was, that was my question. What's the impact of this loan gonna be? Have you talked to the city treasurer? I mean, I'm sure you have around. It's, like I said, it's, it's factored into the sewer rate study, so the future increases will be covering this. You know, they don't. The payments don't take effect into uh, fiscal year 26 and fiscal year 27. There's a couple of pay, um, not pay, but sewer rate increases before that. They don't help pay for this. One of the benefits 
of using the, the SRF loan program is that it is low interest mm. and there is principal forgiveness. So it's a good way to save on costs to the maximum extent that we can when we're having to borrow money like this. Other questions? So I believe we're looking for a motion to recommend to the city council to borrow 39, 39,500,000. Is that correct? Yes. So moved. So more questions? Okay. I'm going to make you late for dinner. Not a problem. <laughs> um, we have seven miles of roadway that will be paved on this project. Mm -hmm. so this is Lower Main, um, Boulder. Boulder. And what else? Um, the back behind Main. Okay. All those side streets, pots of mechanic. Okay. Um, can I go back a few CSOs? Um, just trying to help the public understand sure. all of this. We have a lot of roads that are slated to be paved, right? Mm -hmm. So what about like the South Street area? Is that on an, er, an older list where we dug all that up? Or is like South Street, South Street? So the the reason why we're including paving in this this project, these combined sewer separation projects is because of how those projects worked out and they worked out poorly where um, essentially donations were made in lieu of permanent curb to curb pavement to the city's paving program. But because of the increases in asphalt prices and the relatively limited chapter 90 budget that we do get, we haven't been able to keep up with paving those roads that were impacted by the combined sewer separation work. So South Street's a good example of that. Um, essentially those, those trenches were um, intended to eventually be repaved curb to curb, um, but the city just hasn't caught up yet. So they're, they're on the city's paving list, but we're limited by the amount of funding we can actually spend to get those roads repaved. So this is a way to make sure that we're keeping up with the amount of trenches that we're digging in the roads. And all the streets that are included for paving in these combined sewer separation projects um, are cleared for paving. So there are areas where we've already talked to John to make sure that the water's in decent enough shape. We've already talked to Units Hill, and they've actually been doing a good job of going out in front of us and working to make sure that all their pipe replacements are done ahead of the combined sewer separation work getting in there. Um, there's a you know, greedy motivation on their part because it's easier to put a pipe in the ground when there's not a bunch of other pipes in the way. So, you know, obviously we're installing extra drain and sewer infrastructure. So they have more room to work with now versus having to come in after the fact and install pipe. But it also gives us the opportunity to be the last ones in there right. and, and pave these roads and know that they're, they're done. Yeah, that was one of the points that I was going to make. We are the last people going to be in this area. And so we're going to be the ones capping it off so that it should last for a long time. So that, that South Street area, which was part of the, um, not the CSO 10 project, but the one prior, and then the Beach and Hazel Streets combined sewer separation project, which was back in like the 2017 um, timeframe. Those, for those projects, donations were made to the city for paving. So there's money sitting in accounts, basically waiting until the city has enough money to pay for the rest of the bill, because there was a, it, it was just a fraction that was paid as to what the overall cost per road were, uh, was for, for paving. So units will paid a little bit. If water department did a project, they would pay a little bit. 
combined sewer separation would pay a little bit. And then once the city had enough chapter 90 to, to kind of pay the whole bill, mm -hmm. we'd go in and pave that road. So right now we're struggling to, to catch up with that list right um, and make everything right and follow through with that plan that was laid out back, you know, 10, 15 years ago when the idea of utility donations to the paving program was conceived. Okay. I guess it's just, you know, concerning for all of us, right, that let's say 50% was donated towards the fund. Well, now that 50% only covers 20% of the project because mm -hmm. we just keep kicking the can down the road, you know. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we're pivoting to this approach versus that approach because these costs have risen dramatically and gotten so out of control that we, we have an inability to keep up with paving after the combined sewer separation projects happen, or after the last utility is in there, essentially. And the way, I mean, by doing the storm water and the paving within that, there's loan forgiveness, there's a low interest loan. Now, if right. the city did that separately, guess what? You're not getting a low interest loan, it's gonna have to come out of the general fund or a regular loan, and they're not gonna get loan forgiveness on that either. So, I mean, this is a way to get a lot done, and I think it's a, a much better approach and could save a lot as far as the project, you know, yeah. um, versus trying to do something later or not this. Yes, the ratepayers have to pay for it, but I think there's, you know, I'm not sure what the, what is the rate for loan forgiveness? It's like in the teens, isn't it, or low teens? I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's, it's yeah. substantial. So it, that's, I mean, on $40 million or $39 million, when you get loan forgiveness and a low interest loan, I mean, rates are up or whatever, this is a, a huge savings. I mean, it just and get it gets it all done now versus when it's more expensive down the road. And like I said, anything that this, that's done in the roads or a system that, I mean, there is an SRR fund for doing roads. There is an SRR fund for doing stormwater by themselves. It either be, has to be water or wastewater. So, I mean, this, this is a, a plus to get this all done and to save as much, really, as much money as possible by having that loan forgiveness and low interest loan, so. Yeah. I know one of the ideas that's been floated just over the years to address the city's road problem is some sort of a debt exclusion similar to how Lunenburg paved all their roads. And if that were to happen, essentially this, the city would borrow money to pave a bunch of roads, but it wouldn't, like John said, it wouldn't be through that SRF loan program, so it wouldn't be low interest. There would be no principal forgiveness. So you'd be paying more for paving those, those same roads. Um, and that's still an option that I, I'm sure um, you know, we'll continue to explore for, for the roads outside of the combined sewer separate, separation areas. Yep. Um, but this is a good way to get this work done a little bit more cost effectively. And I am most certainly gonna vote for any funds that are gonna pave roads. I'm just more concerned about all this, you know, future resiliency, you know, bullets that are on here. Um, I, I get the sewer and the manholes and all that, but I don't understand the whole green initiative well, and what, what, what's, what is that, you know? So with the, the resiliency, it's really intended to make sure that we can, we can handle the projected runoff rates for well into the future. So, you know, what we're seeing now is one amount, what we're seeing modeled through statistics 50 years out into the future based on the period of record that we're looking at is, is a little bit higher runoff amounts. So that creates more stormwater runoff, more volume, more flows that the stormwater system needs to be designed to handle. So when we talk about resiliency upgrades, that means making sure that the pipe size that's selected is based on that 2070 year design and not the current year design flows. 
Um, so, you know, what, just throwing an example out there, it might be a 15-inch pipe instead of a 12-inch pipe. Sure. Or a 24-inch pipe instead of a 12-inch 12 pipe. In either case, the road's going to be excavated, that pipe needs to be installed, and the pipe's just going to be a bit larger to make sure it can accommodate the flow. So okay. it really makes a lot of sense to, to do it now, you know. And then the, the green aspect of that, so that's kind of the, the res resilient infrastructure piece. The green infrastructure piece is trying to improve the water quality as well as just handle the water quantity. So water runoff from the roadways has certain contaminants. You know, there's, there's really fine rubber particles from your tires. Absolutely. There's um, gasoline, oil, you know, all the stuff that comes off cars. Um, people spill stuff on the roads, all that stuff. So. The green infrastructure is, is plantings, vegetation, et cetera, designed to mimic natural processes that uptake some of those pollutants and remove them from the water before it hits like the, the National River or whatever that receiving water body is. Um, so the, I'd say green infrastructure is still a relatively new concept um, and new being like it's, it's come out within the last 15 or so years and the state itself is, is pushing to incorporate green infrastructure into a lot of state funded projects so they're giving out a lot of grants for that type of stuff. Mm. And one of the things that we've been working on to help subsidize some of these costs for the green infrastructure in initiatives is utilizing funding through the Municipal Vulnerability Preparedness Grant Program, MVP grant program. So they're actually funding the designs for some of these things so that we can incorporate them into the construction documents for the combined sewer separation projects. So that's further saving the ratepayers on some of these cost increases because we're leveraging grant funds to help get the designs ready for construction. Great information. Yeah. Thanks. Other questions? No. Are we ready to make a motion? I'd like to make a motion to um, recommend approving $39.5 million SRF loan to the City Council. I'll second that motion. Discussion on the motion? Hearing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Okay. Thank you. Uh, my next bullet item is staffing again. Um, seems to be a topic every month. <laughs> We're still having a hard time filling a vacancy down the treatment plant, the senior operator. Um, like I said before, there are very few of them out there. Um, the ones that are out there don't seem to want to move anywhere. So we're trying to find other ways of, you know, instructing the lower class, not the lower class, the lower grade operators we have and try to train them so that they are able to pass the exam. But it takes time and it's slow. And so I, we've had a couple of operators take exams and they weren't able to pass it, but they're still going strong and studying. But since we've been having that vacancy and we have another vacancy with the workman's comp issue, um, he's been out for a few weeks. Um, the overtime is getting hit hard because of that. And so next month we may have to come back and ask for more money just for the overtime budget because we seem to be getting up to the limit. And we don't want to go over it. We're working with the staff, trying to alleviate the overtime. I have a meeting with them down the treatment plant tomorrow to see if we can somehow modify their work schedules to have them cover more hours, spread them out further. So we're hoping that they'll work with the city and we can find something that's agreeable for both of us um, before we have to take any other drastic measures to, you know, stop having all this overtime. 
the reason why we have the overtime is they're grade six or grade seven operators. We have to have at least one there all the time. And so covering 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's a lot of shifts. And there's only four of them. And so we're going to try to see if we can spread them out better. <laughs> so What shifts are they working? What's that? What's their shift? They work around the clock. It's actually a five-week rotating shift. So they're each working. Every five weeks they rotate. They can be on first shift this week, next week second. Then they're working weekend nights or weekend days. And then it starts all over again. So it, it's, it's one they like. You know, it has some benefits because it gives them some days off during the weeks that they wouldn't have other time. So they've worked with it. It's been there since, ever since the plant opened, I think. But we've always had sufficient staff to cover it. And right now we're just going through a drought of qualified people, just like John had, you know, last year or so. So that's the, that's the issue with the staffing. Um, budget update, fiscal year 25. We should have something possibly sent out to you guys by the beginning of March, John, you were thinking? Yeah, next week. Yeah, next yeah. week. Yeah. Have you guys review it and vote on it so we can present it to the city council. Yeah, that's so. what we're planning on is getting it to you next week, and that way you'll have it, you know, for a couple weeks, three weeks. Yeah, if you, if you have it, if you can. Yeah, we're going to email it to you guys beforehand, yep. so you have time to review it and look at it. Last year we had a crunch with the rate study and things right. like that. We weren't able to get to the last minute before then, so we want to give you sufficient time. So we did each have our budget meetings with the mayor, and we haven't heard yep. anything back otherwise, um, plus or minus, so I haven't. Um, so... Yeah, we didn't see too much. Counting. There still could be cuts in council or something like that, but um, yeah. we're going to assume that, you know, it is what it is. So There weren't really any surprises in the budget. There were slight increases due to inflation. Um, I'm still waiting for costs for chemicals. Those don't come out to the end of March, beginning of April. So I can't give an accurate figure for that until then. But everything else seems to be, you know, within the ball frame of last year's. You know, not much has gone up other than, you know, the... Paying, payroll may have gone up due to their raises and such like that, but most other things are staying within the ballpark. Yeah, our mind's the same thing. It pretty much follows what the rate study was and what yeah. the budget was, so um, not um, any big surprises or anything. So, yeah. And my last item is the NEPTI's draft response letter. Um, I reported last time how we did get our draft NEPTI's back in December. We had until January 29th to submit public comments. And so one of our on-call engineering firms reviewed the permit for us and um, put together a, um, a response to a few of the items that are on the permit. And it was part of the email package that you guys got. And it gives a detailed reason why some of the items that were given to us should be modified or removed. Um, it's up to the DEP to review it and come back with their responses to what we say. Um, I haven't heard from other communities how responsive the DEP has been to the community's responses. Um, a, few, a lot of them are still waiting for them. They've had drafts and they're still waiting for their drafts. I mean, they're, they're permanent ones to come back. Um, some of the items that they we're challenging is they want us to do studies that we feel EPA should be doing themselves, not relying on the cities to do their studies for them, like, like PFAS testing. We're going to have to do PFAS testing in the rivers and, you know, upstream in the sewer systems, something that they 
should be doing, but they're passing it down onto the communities to do instead. Um, so, and phosphorus limits, they're looking to lower. We're hoping that they keep us where we are until after all our CSO projects are done and then see how the treatment system works, whether to install a new treatment process for phosphorus removal or not. Um, it doesn't make sense to install something now that will, will change in the next eight years or so. So, um, so everything is in the letter that I sent you. Um, and it gives it a detailed explanation <coughs> for each item that they feel um, we can challenge. And we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the DEP come back with, comes back with. Um, we have a good, very good re working relationship with the DEP and the EPA. Um, they're very, I've said this before in our meetings, they're very proud of what's going on in the city. Um, they like what we're doing. And they like to use us as an example of what other communities could do to all the consent decrees that are out there. So, is there a time frame, time frame for their response? They didn't get one. So I know some communities were issued them last spring, and they're still waiting. And so as came in December, it could be anywhere from nine months to a year. Who knows? Okay, so the balls in their court, though, we're not going to be in violation. Nope. Right now, until they give us the, our final draft permit, we're living under the old permit which was issued in 2010. So that's still valid until their permanent permit comes out. I think that's all I have. So. Questions? Questions? Yeah, I just have one. And, and you don't really have to answer it. Just, you know, we've been going this through this process, the CSOs, for years, right? Hopefully we're going to see the end of the tunnel yeah. in a few years. But are we starting to or going to see any tangible results with the we reduction? We have been seeing a lot of results down the treatment plant. The flow is um, greatly reduced during storm events. Mm -hmm. um, we still get some infiltrations coming in down there from some of the pipes, especially downtown. So right. the next project that we're doing, not the one upstream at CSO 10, but the next one we just talked about, when that gets completed, we're going to see major. a substantial drop in the water going down to the wastewater treatment plant. That reduces our chemical costs because all that water has to get treated. It's all flow-based chemicals. They get treated just like it was wastewater. Um, the wear and tear on stuff, it's all going to get reduced. Great. We could possibly take parts of the treatment plant offline, too, and save on energy and wear and tear on that stuff if the flow goes down. Our flow should match what John pumps, mm -hmm. you know, within, you know, a, a little give and take, but it should be very close to what he's pumping. We're double, sometimes triple what he's doing. So it has come down since our first CSO project began. We have seen the spikes during rain events. They used to last for days. Now they're just minutes or hours. A rain event comes, goes up, and goes down, and stops. Um, so that's been a tremendous benefit. Yeah. And that was my second question, you know, the kind of trickle-down effect. Yep. Where are we starting to see some, some cost savings, you know? So that's good information. It is. That's just not going to save the next, you know, five years. I mean, 100, you know, 50, 70 years down the road by doing these things correctly, it's going to save, you know, over the long term. Is it going to save, you know, $10 million? No, but it's like it is going to add up over 10, 20, 30 years, yep. you know, reducing that um, amount of, you know, wastewater that's treated. So, um, And then we can start looking at reducing the water and sewer rates. Once everything's paid for. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs>
Any other questions? Is there any other business? If not, our next meeting will be March 20th uh, here at 5 o'clock. And I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. I'll make that motion. Second. We are adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.